Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Cinephiles Flashback. I'm your host, Fred Carroll. Last week, we looked into the... We started a little series for Best Picture. So the 96th Academy Awards is Sunday, March 10th. And for the next few weeks, I said I would discuss Best Picture. So to catch you up, the nominees for this year are American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. Ten deserving inclusions, only one winner. Last week I discussed five of them, including Past Lives, Maestro, Poor Things, The Holdovers, and American Fiction. You can go back and listen to that, or I could just tell you right now that if I was ranking from just those five, my order from least to best, and this is just my opinion, I have no connection to the Academy, I don't know who they're voting for, this is just from my eyes seeing the film and judging it for my taste. But from least to best would be Maestro as my least favorite. American Fiction in the Holdovers, followed by Poor Things, and my so far frontrunner, Past Lives. But the heavy favorites are left, and today we're going to discuss Barbie, Oppenheimer, and Anatomy of a Fall. So I'm also going to delve deeper into the Best Actress and Best Actor and the Supporting Role nominees. But let's get into this. Let's start with the Barbie movie. So it's PG-13 enlisted as an adventure, a comedy, fantasy. The byline for it is Barbie and Ken are having the time of their lives in the colorful and seemingly perfect world of Barbie land. However, when they get a chance to go to the real world, they soon discover the joys and perils of living among humans. This is directed by Greta Gerwig. Written by Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, and it stars Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, and Issa Rae. So this may not be what you assume as a film I would not only enjoy, but also see in the theaters. But I am a mysterious man when it comes to film. I saw Barbie in between Asteroid City and the new Indiana Jones all in the same day. Back to back to back. I try to treat film as a sporting event. I plan this out very well. How I'm going to see these films without having too much of a holdover. It's like flying from city to city. But back to Barbie. I went into it knowing that this was a quote unquote chick flick. Nonetheless, there I was sitting alone with judging eyes cast upon me. I'm sure if I could read the minds, I suspect I was labeled poorly and perhaps even reported to the theater as a predator. But I knew I, I, I knew why I was there. I was there to see the film. So the colors in the set design are impossible to unburn from your eyes. It's bright, it's vibrant. The acting, for the most part, superbly done. This isn't a tricky plot, if a plot even exists, but it's a fun, joyous ride 
and quickly allows you to understand its meaning. The whole film, in my opinion, is a mockingly form of our view on needing to be perfect. That flaws are unaccepted. I suppose you can go as far as to analyze this in every aspect of life. How we treat and speak to the opposite sex, sexual relations, looks, appearance, language, and very common desire to want what we don't have. In other words, the toys desire the human life while the human life desires the Barbie world. I also wouldn't call this an outright comedy. I didn't find myself laughing out loud, but I'm also not foolish enough to believe that any of the jokes were or are aimed towards my age range or my gender. This is a girl's film written by and for females. It's a very tolerable film to watch because I couldn't always relate to the feminine issues, but I do know where from I, I, I know from being a girl dad that these issues exist. Also, it's a visual experience. Margot Robbie is perfect and her expressive nature carries the film. And I'm not talking just her beauty, which is just she's a beautiful woman. I mean, her ability in this role. She really grasped it. Brian Gosling was equally up to the test, but I feel any A-list actor could have filled the role. They may not have been as dreamy, but from a pure acting level, others easily could have stepped in. It's a Margot Robbie film. It's geared to girl power, and I support the movements. Greta Gerwig accomplished the seemingly impossible. She deserves any awards thrown her way and has proven that she is an in-demand filmmaker where gender should not be playing a role. You know, like Taylor Swift, for instance, has written a book on how to cash in on the entertainment business. And Greta Gerwig obviously has read it. The secret is to gain the attention of young girls. Mothers are so desperate to spend valuable time with their daughters that if a movie is the answer, then they'll go all out. They'll buy the clothes, they'll support it, they'll bring a group of your friends. And I don't say that to be a disparaging towards the mothers, and it's just merely an observation. I often myself search with desperation just to get my daughter's attention. The favorite child for those who don't listen to my other show, A Dude in the Hen House, which is available wherever you listen. Now she's 24 now and no longer needs me. And I cry often alone all the time. Back to Barbie. It's a fun film. Tiley watchable, amazingly acted, written. The production sets are so well done. It's not my top choices for best film, but it is well deserved as a nomination simply based off of the above-mentioned stuff, and then for its box office results. Currently, it has made $1.46 billion. That's with a B. I didn't say million. I said billion. That's worthy there. It's a lot of money coming into the industry, and we need that. We need people to go back to the theater, stop streaming the movies. The recognition of female-led films is arriving far too late 
but I'm satisfied that it's here now. Film is not and shouldn't be a gender result-based process. So I look forward to whatever Greta Gerwig produces next. Okay, so our next best film is for Anatomy of a Fall. The genre listed is crime, drama, thriller, and all three are dead on. This isn't a film for everyone. It's written and directed by Justine Trier. Yes, another deserving and recognized woman. It's about a woman is suspected of murder after her husband's death. Then half blind, their half-blind son faces a moral dilemma as the main witness. The one thing that will most likely keep audiences away from this is it's entirely in French. I shouldn't say entirely. I would say 70%. I watched it in the French version, but you could get it dubbed in English, in English which in my opinion does it no justice. I don't mind international films. I love to read. I know a lot of others say, I can't watch the words and read and watch the film. Wah, get over it. The film is amazing. And yes, I stumbled on the language barrier from time to time, but I never lost the feel of the film. In fact, I think it made me watch it closer. The story begins when Samuel is found dead in the snow outside the isolated chalet where he lived with his wife, Sandra, a German writer, and their partially sighted 11-year-old son, Daniel. An investigation leads to a conclusion of suspicious death. It's impossible to know for sure whether he took his own life or was killed. Sandra is indicted, and we follow her trial, which pulls the couple's relationship apart. Daniel is caught in the middle between the trial and their home life, Doubts take their toll on the mother-son relationship. So I knew none of the actors. They all did a great job. The dog in it is fantastic. And overall, the film is captivating. I like this murder guilt whodunit type film. They've all been done before, but this one found a way to be a little different. It's a bit long at two and a half hours. And on a limited budget under $10 million, it has succeeded and deserves this nomination. It isn't my pick to win, but like all the others besides Maestro, I feel earned its choice. It's just not, I don't know, it, it is difficult with the language barrier, but nothing you shouldn't be watching. So now let's explore the film everyone is talking about. Oppenheimer. This film's right in my wheelhouse. It's a biographical drama genre. Historical. The story of American scientist J. Robert Oppenheimer and his role in the development of the atomic bomb. So we know the storyline. We know everybody that's in it. It is much bigger than just that. But you need to see it before you could realize it. I can't tell you. You have to judge this film for yourself. The film's deep. It has a darkness beyond the destructive bomb as the central part of the film. The cast, obviously amazing and vast. The lead of Cillian Murphy fits the Oppenheimer character perfectly. 
everyone else is simply perfect. I credit Christopher Nolan, perhaps my favorite director. Most think this is about the bomb, but to me, this is about living with yourself, knowing you created the bomb. It shows it well, and the Oppenheimer character suffers and pays for it. Most of his anguish is visible in how he acts out, be it sexually or verbally. And the use of sound builds so much tension in this film. It's masterful. It's amazing. The cinematography fascinates me. It's a long film. It's half color, half black and white. Each represent before the bomb and after the bomb. You don't even notice. It's, it's told so well that you understand where the film is at regardless of your knowledge of Christopher Nolan. This isn't his first twisty use of color or changing timelines. His most drastic, I believe, is Memento being his most intricate of using this. And I won't ruin it, but actually, yes, I will. The hell with it. It's been out for 20 years. If you haven't seen it by now, you, you lose out or mute me. The film is partially in reverse. It's chaotic and beautiful. The guy's a genius. He's a genius filmmaker. So obviously, after gushing about this spectacle of pure enjoyment, the plot, the cinematography, the acting, directing, production, color, music, and all that, believe it or not, this is not my current choice as the winner. Now, I won't be shocked considering the prior mentioned reasons in its box office of just shy of $1 billion. I will say the film is a bit overhyped. It's spectacular and worthy of a nomination, but it doesn't keep me, well, it didn't keep me, I wrote you, but didn't keep me captivated. I feel like I could have come in halfway through and enjoyed it just as much. It's not like I had to see certain parts it's beautifully tragic, historical, well done, not my winner. So, now that we've gotten through eight of the ten, I'm going to end this by exploring, let's explore some other nominations. Best Actor, Actress. So the nominees for Best Actor are Paul Giamatti, the Holdovers, Bradley Cooper, Maestro, Coleman Domingo, Rustin, Cillian Murphy, Oppenheimer, and Jeffrey Wright, American Fiction. I have a clear favorite based from these five. Giamatti always does a great job. I just felt that hit the film he did doesn't show him having to go anywhere deeply where he hasn't been prior. I love the guy, but it's this doesn't feel like the film he's going to win. He, he will win one eventually. He deserves it. I also want to give Bradley Cooper to win. Gives a tremendous performance in what I consider a so-so film. I love the man. I love his style, but he's not my winner. He could be popular based on his need in Hollywood. People love him. No reason not to love him. He's a fantastic actor. 
this just wasn't the film for me, similar to Giamatti. Jeffrey Wright. It's a sleeper pick. He did a great job in a great film, as did Coleman Domingo, who unfortunately, in my opinion, is up against well-known actors. Not a lot of people know who Coleman Domingo is. That isn't always like a guaranteed loss. But my pick here is Cillian Murphy. He had to go deep into the darkness to become this character. The man's, he's, he's simple. He's a simple average type guy. But the character of Oppenheimer puts his ability to the test. He, and he passes with flying colors. My pick is Cillian Murphy. And let's end the show with Best Actress. The nominees are Annette Benning for Nead. Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon, Sandra Hewler, Anatomy of a Fall, Carrie Mulgan, Maestro, and Emma Stone, Poor Things. So this for me was the toughest choice because all five deserve to win. Annette Benning is always amazing. The movie itself didn't move me and her role in it is just flat for me. She did great, but not the winner. Sandra Huller, Huller or whatever you say, was amazing in Anatomy of a Fall. But the language barrier between her and I may play a role for me not being able to recognize the depths she had to go. And maybe not being so well known will harm her in this. But she's fantastic, but not my winner. The next three make my job very, very hard. Carrie Mulgan, in a film I didn't enjoy. Versus Emma Stone in a film I loved. Versus Lily Gladstone in a film I haven't revealed my review of yet. Amazingly, and without ruining my future review of Killers of the Flower Moon, Lily Gladstone is my winner. I wouldn't be shocked to see either Emma or Mulligan win. Mulligan specifically was fantastic in the role of um, in Maestro. An amazing job. Absolutely amazing. But that's going to be it for my Oscar party this week. I know these are short and I'm just doing what I can on my own. But join me next week where I'll review the final two films, Killer of the Flower Moon and The Zone of Interest, which I'm very excited to see. I'll also go deeper into other nominees in categories and give my final guesses on who takes home the gold. So this is the Cinephiles flashback. I am your host, Fred Carroll, where it's okay for a movie to touch you when you're young. If you want to get a hold of me, you can by finding me on social media. I'll put all the links in the show notes. You could also listen to my other show, A Dude in the Hen House. You can find that on Apple and Spotify or wherever you listen. You can also find it on YouTube. Okay, everybody, have a great week. Go watch some films and don't give up on the industry. Okay, I love you all. See you.